I want to talk to you about a time to wake up. What time is it, is the title of my message today. What time is it? Uh, I don't know about you, but my mornings at my house have a few phases. There is the I'm asleep phase. Then there's the I'm deciding to get up out of bed phase. And then you have to decide to get ready. And then there's a moment where you have to determine it's time to get out the door. And with uh, Beth goes on to work early in my house. She has to work, get there early. So it's up to this dad to get two little girls ready. She does the hair and I don't touch that. And she gets the hair done and she goes. And then I got to get the rest of it. Okay. And so I have learned how to help ourselves in these stages. How many are a morning person in the room? Morning people. All right. There's the crazies. Okay. Everybody else? The normal people, uh, you know, uh, sometimes going through these stages of getting up out of bed, getting woke up, getting to, some of you guys are coffee addicts, you got to get your coffee before you get going. There's these phases, and in my house, here's what I have. I have a few alarms that help me get through this process. I know what time we have to get these kids ready and get into the bathroom, brush our teeth. And so we have, a, I have an alarm to get up, and I have an alarm that tells me it's time to start getting in the truck. Now that, that phase sometimes at different times and seasons of, my, of our mornings is longer than the others, but that bell rings and it means, in my alarm, it means it's time to start making your way to the vehicle so that you can get to school and work on time before the bell rings. And the question is, what time is it? My constant cry uh, at my house is, hurry up, it's almost time to go. And there have been times that uh, I, I will remind them, don't you know what time it is? How do you still have your pajamas on? I mean, I told you to, over and over again, get your clothes on, get ready to go. It's time to go. So what time is it? I think about that with us in the church. There is a time to wake up and there is a time to get ready to go. And sometimes it's hard to go through those seasons when we're tired because I don't know about you, but sometimes in the moment, uh, you don't see the consequences of a delayed decision. Sometimes in the moment, all you can see is, I just need to sit here for a moment and watch a little bit more TV, or I just need to lay in bed a few more minutes. And you know in that, that quasi zone, you don't really get the seriousness of the hour, of how late it's going to be by the time you get ready to go. How many of you are hearing me this morning? The seriousness of the hour, sometimes we need a, an alarm to push us to get ready to go. You know, the problem is for the world today, there are many people who are dead asleep. The Bible says they have no discernment of the spiritual hour in which they live. And then there are those that have awakened but they might as well still be asleep. And maybe you're one of those zombie people in the morning that it takes a lot to have a movement to get ready and we keep hitting the snooze button. And I think there are many Christians in that stage today in America continuing to hit the snooze button, not discerning the day and the hour that we live. And for many of us, it's because we're so tired with everything we've got going on in our lives. What time... Is it? What time is it? Maybe today you've been thinking things like this. You might be saying, God, I'm, I'm just tired. God, I just need a few more minutes of sleep. God, I, I don't really feel like getting involved more than I am right now. God, I just need a few more moments to myself. 
I just need to sleep in. I don't really want to uh, do anything real serious for Christ in my life right now. I'm really too tired to have that radical prayer life that I know I should have. Or maybe I'm too exhausted to serve in a ministry team or get involved in a small group. I really just don't have the brain power to care. If we be honest, we've all thought that, myself included. I just don't have it right now, God. I'm, I'm, I've been a busy, I'm tired. I just need to hit snooze uh, just for a couple more minutes, God. Uh, I don't really wanna be concerned with strict holy living because God that sounds like a lot of work to just really care about really where my spiritual life is right now and it's not that I don't love you God I just need a few more hits of the snooze button I just need to lay here a few more minutes just to get through until I feel better and then then one day God I'm going to get up and I'm going to be ready to go you know what makes a person in that moment of that quasi zone where you rouse yourself. You've hit the snooze button five times. I'll be honest, I hit the snooze button three times this morning before I got here. And what makes a person hit that button and just, you have that moment where you're like, what time is it? <sighs> okay, count back. I have to be there at this time. It takes me this many minutes. You do this in your head. This many minutes to drive there. I've got to take that long to get ready. How many more minutes can I hit and lay here? And you're counting backwards in your mind. And then what happens in your moment where you're like, Finally, just get up out of bed and you have to, maybe it's just like you throw one leg off the bed so at least half of you's fallen out so you feel like the motivation's there to just finally get you. There's gotta come a moment in all of our, our lives spiritually that you finally get the urgency to get up and be who God has called you to be and do what God has called you to do. And maybe we've been staying out too late, too busy with earthly things, but the time is to push through that Tell ourselves it's time to get ready. What time is it? It's past time. What time is it? It's past time. Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. If you're there, somebody say amen. It's time to wake up. Peter is speaking to the church in Asia Minor at the end of, in the, in the uh, middle of the first century, about the 60s. And it's been a 30 years, three decades or so after Jesus has died and rose again. And gone into heaven and Peter is nearing the end of his ministry and little does Peter know that his time is about to be up. He knows he's been suffering for Christ, he's been preaching the gospel and he's going to be going to Rome and in prison and he's going to be beheaded for the sake of Christ and he's writing to a persecuted church in modern day Turkey and he's telling them, I know you have been suffering for Christ but don't worry, the time is almost at hand. Jesus is coming. Stay ready. Get ready and endure whatever hour you have to go through. You may have to go through suffering and trial and tribulation, but I want to encourage you on who you are in Christ and who Christ is to you. I'm telling you, get ready. Get ready. And here's what he says in 1 Peter 4 verse 1. To a church that felt like giving up, to a church that would be a lot easier just to hide and to sleep in, a church that would uh, really easy, easily could have just said, you know what, this is too hard, I'm just going back to my old life. He says this, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same purpose. Somebody say purpose. Because the one who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live, so as to live the rest of the time, there it is, time in the flesh, no longer for human lust, but for the will of God, for the time already past is sufficient. I love that part. For the time 
already passed is sufficient for you to carry out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of indecent behavior, lust, drunkenness, caressing, drinking parties, and wanton idolatries. And all this, they're surprised you don't run with them in the same excess of debauchery, and they slander you. But they'll give an account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has this purpose been preached, even to those who are dead, that they, although they're judged in the flesh as people, they may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. Verse 7. The end of all things is near. That's the time. Therefore, be of sound judgment, sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins and be hospitable to one another without complaint. And as each one has received a special gift, employ it. There's the go-to-work time. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifested grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so with, as one who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves, do it as one who's serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory, dominion, forever and ever. Amen. What time is it? It is past time. What time is it? It's past time. Peter, I want to I just take this through as if we were with Peter and getting ready to go somewhere, just like we could take that morning. The first phase for us, is he's saying it's time to wake up. The end is near. Jesus is coming soon. The time of the Gentiles is in. There's coming a moment. He says to his church in the first chapter, he says, guys, this time has been fulfilled that when Jesus come, it entered into this day called the last days where the time was soon coming to an end, where God's master plan was going to be fulfilled. And he says, you are a part of that plan. You are a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So you can do something for him in this last time. There's a purpose for what you're about to do. And he says, guys, it's time to wake up. There's only a short time left before Jesus comes back. If you believe that, say amen. He says, there are those that are though they're asleep. There's this worldly way of living, and they are dead and asleep. You ever been dead asleep where, like, man, people can, like, walk in your room and, you know, do whatever they want? You, you could shake them, and they wouldn't wake up. You say, there's people that are dead asleep in their sin. They're ignorant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're blind to the truth. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelieving hearts. They're not awake to spiritual reality of the day in which they live. They're dead in their sin. He says, that was like you one time. He says, you were like this in this spiritual night. You were going, getting drunk. You were having sex outside of marriage. You were going to wild parties. And Paul agrees. He says, there was sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. We were lost in selfish ambition, dissension, drunkenness, wild parties, and all kinds of sins like these. And we knew, man, the gospel says we'll never inherit the kingdom of God with a lifestyle and a heart like that. And Peter says, that's what it's like to be lost a dead in the sleep of sin. He says, and those people, you ever tried to wake up somebody who didn't want to get woken up and they just get mad at you, maybe slap you or throw something at you or something? And he says, there's a reason that your friends are slandering you. There's a reason that you're suffering. There's a reason the world doesn't like you because the world doesn't want to wake up. And there are some people who are going to call and come out and they're going to wake up. And there are other people that are going to hate you for trying to wake them up because they like to sleep in. They like to be lost in their daydream life because there's a false reality. You ever had a dream that's just like it was so real that that's where you thought, man, that's, that actually happened? So the world is in this fake reality. They don't get there is a God. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There really was a Jesus. There is this spiritual reality. There is a thing called sin. And they don't believe it because they're lost in a different reality. 
They're lost and asleep. But then there's some people that we need to say it's time to wake up. He says there's this twilight zone. I think that's where he was making sure his church wasn't in. And I think it's that, that nowhere, that place of nowhere where you're like half asleep, half awake. How many know what I'm talking about? You're half asleep, half awake, and you're thinking, am I still dreaming? Am I awake? I think I'm awake. Yeah, I'm awake right now. What time is it? Is it really Sunday or is it Saturday? Am I supposed to be at work right now? What time? And you ever woke up early uh, and come to church on a Saturday when it was really Sunday? Figured on Miss Evelyn she, this, uh, this week. You know, it just, what day is it? You kind of wake up and you're in a daze. And, I, and he's like, guys, it is time to rouse yourself up out of a daydream. And there are some people that, you know, they want it, you want to get up and you want to just get on the TV, uh, stay in your pajamas, drink your coffee, eat your cereal, and watch TV. But it's time to rouse yourself up to say, guys, do you know how quick Jesus is coming? Do you know why the world is as crazy as it is? Do you know why people don't like Christianity? It's because this is the time to get going. This is the time the whole world has been waiting for this moment. All of universal history has led up to this day. You are the last day's church. It is coming to an end. It's coming to a close. And we better wake up. He says, sober up, verse 7. Sober up. and Because he's, he's like, you were lost in drunkenness. Now it's time to get sober. Sober up. What does that mean, though? In your spirit, it means it's time to turn the light on with the Word of God. It's time to come out of the slumber and the slothfulness of doing all the things and watching the same things the world watches, talking about the same thing the world talks about, feeling the same things the world feels, and wanting to do the things that the world does. We may not be fully asleep as a church, but man, we find this weird line. How much can I still stay in my pajamas? How much can I still kind of be in a no man's land? I'm awake and I want to be saved and I want to love Jesus, but you know what? I really want to stay in my pajamas and watch TV a little longer. I think that's the American church. I think that's where the American church is. It's, it's we're watching the same TV. We're going to the same concerts. We're still going to the same clubs. We're still going to the same parties. We're still concerned about the same things that the world is concerned about because we really haven't fully woken up to be the last day's church he's called us to be but it's time to wake up. And when it's time to wake up, what do you do? It means it's time to get ready. I afford my kids a certain amount of time to wake up. I afford them time to sit on the couch and kind of acclimate themselves. You start learning which kids are morning kids and not and what you can do with certain kids and not. And there's a certain amount of time I allow them to get ready and eat their cereal. But then there's a certain time in my house when the TV is shut off at the same time every single day because I know they need X amount of time to get ready before it's time to go. I think God knows how much time his church needs to get ready before it's time to go. And I think it's past time. It's past time. I think we're past the time of TV watching and eating our cereal in our pajamas and it's time to get the clothes on to get out the door. And what does that mean for us? I love what Romans 13 says. He says, do this knowing the time that it is ready, that the hour for you to awaken from sleep. Now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Romans 13, verse 12. The night is almost gone. The day is near. So let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not caressing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity, not in the sensuality, not in strife, not in jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision 
provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. What is he saying? It's time to take off the pajamas and put the work clothes on. It's time to get off of casual Christianity and just lit, going through the motions and sitting on our couches and just vegetative state. It's time to actually get some clothes on that we're going to do something before it's time to go. My wife has, uh, uh, she works in a nursing home, so she has a uniform. She has scrubs that she has to wear and a certain color she has to wear before she can go do her job. And those of you who are nurses in the medical field, you know the same thing. There's some, some nurses wear blue, some wear purple, some wear black. And according to whatever job you have, you might have different clothes. And some of you work in certain industries where a uniform at a police department or a jail or, or whatever it might be, you have to wear certain clothes. And even those of you who are teachers can't show up in shorts and flip-flops uh, in this area, right? Because there's a certain code, a certain thing you have to put on to do the job that you're called to do. There are certain things a Christian has to put on and put off to do the job he's called us to do. And what are those things? So the question is, what are you wearing? Like I said, I've often come back in and I'll tell my kids, you know, hey, all right, it's time, shut the TV off, it's time to go get your clothes on. Everybody, everything sit out, go get your clothes on. And I'll go in there and I'll, I'll finish getting ready and I'll come back in, out to the living room and I'll be like, what are you wearing? What are you doing? You haven't moved, it's been 10 minutes. What have you been doing for these last 10 minutes? And I feel like that's where the Holy Spirit is saying today. What are you still wearing? Because I think some of us have been trying to do Christianity in our PJs in American church. That, what does that mean? It means that we haven't put on the things he's uh, called us to do. You know, the closer it's time to go, the more you should have on. <laughs> That's a good rule at my house. The closer it's time to go, I expect the more clothes you should have on and the more ready you should be. Why? Because there's a progress of preparedness. You know what that means? That the church that's going to experience the rapture will be the most ready church in universal history. The church that's going to experience the last day's revival will be the most praying, filled, empowered, Holy Spirit-dressed church the world has ever seen. They'll be more empowered than the book of Acts. They'll be more filled, more ready to go because the closer it's time to go, the more ready to go you should be. I hope you're hearing me this morning because it's time to wake up. It's time to get ready. To, there's a progression of preparedness. And it's like, well, I really don't want to go to all-night prayer meetings. I really like my movie time. I really like my personal time. I like my family time. Let me tell you that early church, they were a praying church. They were a fasting church. They were a going church. And we've been doing church so long for so many generations in our PJs that we don't even know what it looks like to get ready to go. Because the last day's church, they desire to get out the door and get to Jesus. They are so ready to go home that they look like home already. Come on. They look like they're ready to go. They got the clothes on. And what are those clothes? Paul says in, uh, in John, or sorry, Peter says, and Paul say, he says, put on, both of them say, put on the armor, put on the things that are going to prepare you to do. And what he means there is that uniform. He means that preparing for battle. They, uh, you know, Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God. You'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. What does that mean? Your and my clothes are insufficient. That means my old mind, my old thoughts, my own fee old feelings, my old emotions aren't going to prepare me for being the Christian that God has called me to be. And what they're all saying is put on Jesus. Remember Paul in Ephesians, he says put on the new self. 
that it's creating righteousness and holiness of truth. Put off the old self. It means literally to take off those clothes and put on the clothes that Jesus has bought and paid the price for you. And they look like this. They look like a person who loves to pray, a person who wants to read the Bible, a person who's kind and generous, who loves to feed the homeless and clothe the naked and visit the imprisoned. Jesus said it's gonna be a person who has his character in its heart And you can talk to me today and say, I don't know how to do that. That's right, because yourself and myself doesn't want to do that. I'm not naturally that compassionate, caring person, but it's only by the Holy Spirit and putting on more of the Holy Spirit, putting on more of the character of Christ, saying, God, I willingly crucify my old desires. I recognize, God, that I am insufficient and that my love is not enough for this mission, that my power is not enough for this mission, that my desires and wills are not right according to the word of God. And so, God, I can't do this, so I need to take off this old junk and my old feelings and my old wants to watch watch TV all weekend and just sit home and do nothing and and my prayer life to be at this level. I don't have the desire for that. So God, I need your desires. I need your likeness. I need your heart of compassion. I need your want for the lost. I need your, your ability to talk to other people. God, I need your compassion. And that's putting on Jesus because you can't make yourself be that. You can learn the Bible, just like the Pharisees. You can pray, you can fast, you can go to church, you can tithe. But until you put on the nature and the character of Christ by a daily crucifying of yourself and a daily yearning and saying, God, I can't do this, but you can. That's putting on Jesus. For a long time and growing up in church, I didn't understand that. But you know, Christ, the Bible says, laid aside his divine privilege. He laid off the great things that God had awarded him And I think, well, how can I not willingly lay down my life? If Jesus left and laid aside heaven and his divine privilege for me, how can I not willingly give up TV time to spend time with him? Can we be honest? That's so little. That's so so medial. We've, We've watered down church to look like this corporate idea of something that we can go to and have a membership of, and it's a social club, and it's a moral doctrine, it's a religious tradition, But if I don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit to at times just spend time lingering in prayer with Him, have I really put on Christ? Have I really had a desire for Him? You see, you need holy clothes to do holy work, to put on things like prayer and fervent love and self-control, things that are made by Jesus, tailor-made. Man, I think Holy Spirit's sewing machine. He sowed prayerfulness and He sowed love and He sowed compassion and He gave that to you. And it's for you and to me to, you know, in the mornings my wife has laid our daughter's clothes out and they have their PJs that they have on and their clothes are laid out either on their bed or on their floor or on their dresser. And it's their choice at what time they go willingly take off the PJs and put on what their mom has provided for them. You see, Jesus has provided you the right clothes to do the job he's called you to do, but it's your choice to take off that old stuff and put on the things he's already provided you. Because see, there's a time to wake up there's a time to get ready, then there's a time to go to work. It's a time, and that's what time it is now. There's a time that we leave the house and we have our clothes on, we've got our backpacks on, our computers are in our hands, and we are on the way to somewhere. And I want to ask myself and ask us, where are you on the way to? 
I think there's a lot of Christianity today that is purposeless, that is without direction or vision, that for a long time in my personal life, I didn't understand that my Christian, uh, Christianity was this journey of progression. It was a following of Christ to somewhere deeper in the Spirit. I didn't want to give up control. I didn't want to give up my personality. I was scared to step out in faith to give more of my life over to the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand spiritual things. And it was until I just began to lay down pieces of myself at a time, I realized that God was taking me somewhere on a journey to be less like me and more like him. And as I began to just surrender control to spiritual things, I learned how not spiritual I was and I learned how much more awesome it is to walk with God and have him walk with you and how he accepts you even in your brokenness and your mess and he loves you anyway, but he wants to give you more and more of yourself, of himself. And as you die to self, he's gonna take you somewhere. He says, it's gonna be great. You're like, It doesn't sound very fun, Pastor Heath, to be one of those people that prays all the time. No, it doesn't in the flesh. But let me tell you something, there's nothing like it in the spirit. There's nothing like worship. Christianity sounds boring to give up the Friday nights to go to a Sunday morning church service. That sounds boring. That's because the flesh doesn't want to do that. But man, there's so much more enjoyment in the presence of God than any high this world could ever give. You could get a high on a Friday night. You're going to hit a low on Saturday morning. But man, there is a high that comes with God, a, a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory that lasts from day to day. In the darkest of nights, you can get up and still have a hope that God loves you, that he cares for you, that you're going somewhere with him, that the God of the universe died for you, and that is sufficient. Man, there's nothing like walking this life with God. There's nothing that compares. The question is, how are you moving forward? A Christian is on the way to somewhere. When we get in our vehicle, when we get out the door, me and my kids are headed to somewhere. And where are you headed? Are we still in our pajamas, watching TV, clicking through the channels, unaware that it's time to go somewhere. The Christian work, he says, in wrapping up this, he says, Peter, he says, guys, you are stewards. You're stewards. God's given you things. You're stewards. A steward is like, uh, it's it's like a butler, like the manager of a home. And that manager of the home doesn't really own the home that they're in, but that that homeowner entrusts that butler, that chief housemaid, to run their home uh, while the homeowner is away. Think about Batman and Alfred, okay, for those of you who are young, right? You have a butler who runs the home, and they're entrusted with everything in it, including the care of everything and the money and the stewardship of it. He says, guys, you are stewards of the manifold grace of God. You are stewards of what God has entrusted you. He left his kingdom on the earth. He went to prepare a place for you and do some other things. And he left you here and he empowered you with spiritual gifts and a spiritual kingdom. And it's your job to do something with it. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25, there's gonna be these stewards, these servants, that didn't, some cared about what their master gave and some invested it and was a hundredfold and some uh, invested a little bit more and a little bit less. And there was one guy who didn't know what to do with it so he just buried it. And when the master came unexpectedly back, he said, what did you do with my estate? He said, well, I didn't do anything with it. I just didn't want to lose what you gave me. He said, well, you are a worthless and lazy slave. Bind him, cast him, throw him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You should know, I expected you to do something with the kingdom I left you. 
That's where Jesus says in another chapter, he says, guys, there's gonna be some who said, I prophesied your name, I cast out demons in your name, I was the Christian of Christians. He says, but yeah, you didn't really love people and care for people. You didn't really clothe and uh, feed and house and visit and have my Christ-likeness. That's the investment of love into other people. God's looking for someone who has his nature and his characteristics, who invest their life and say, God, I'm not this way, but I know you are. And I wanna do what you like, and I wanna build up what you like to build up, and I wanna be who you want me to be. You know, some of that, though, I'll be honest, sounds very tiring. We all go through season. I know many, I know I'm your pastor, so I know where many of you are in your personal lives. I know the trials we've all been through in the last several years. I know some of you are dealing with kids, some of you are dealing with a loss, some of you are dealing with job issues, some of you are dealing with personal health issues. And Peter's church... Let me encourage you. His church was suffering too. You may be suffering. And you're saying, Pastor, you don't understand. I just, what you're saying, it sounds daunting. It sounds like work. I don't know how I can get involved in what God wants me to do. I don't know how to take the next step because if you just knew my life, if you just walked in my shoes, if you knew how crazy dramatic my family is right now, if you just knew my financial situation, if you just knew my work situation, if you just knew what emotional stuff I'm going through right now, you would hit the snooze button too. And I agree, I probably would. Peter says something in verse 11 that is really the key for you. He says, if you're gonna speak, do it some, as someone speaking the words of God. If you're going to serve, do it as someone serving by the, what does it say? Strength which God supplies. This is not something you're supposed to do in your own power, in your own strength, in your own energy. Let me ask you this. When's the last time, just be honest with yourself, when's the last time you got up in the morning and you were excited to jump up out of bed and eager to go somewhere and you were quick to get ready and quick to get out the door because where you were headed was somewhere you really wanted to go. Some of you are thinking, that's the last time I went to Disney World or vacation or I didn't have anything to do and I was out going fishing or whatever. There's something that will get you out of bed quickly. There's something that has woken you up with joy, even if you had a bad week, that you got up and you were excited and you were quick and you were eager. You see, I think we've lost that in the American church. We've looked at church work as, oh, I gotta serve in kids, or I gotta serve in youth, or man, so-and-so needs help, I gotta move somebody, or man, I don't know, have time to, to do all those things, and man, it just, you know, I gotta pray, I know I need to pray, I feel guilty when I don't pray, and I know I need to read my Bible, but man, my life's just so crazy, and there's not this, man, I'm getting up out of bed, and man, I wanna get into that, man, I'm so excited to get out of here, and I'm praying for God to give us the spiritual strength once again, that when we look at the things of the kingdom of God, that there is an eagerness, there's an expectation, there's an excitement, there's a, a zealousness, he says, it's by the Spirit of God that God would come into us and say, man, I love to have time with God in my scriptures. I love to help serve. I love to be a part of worship. I love to be the person God's called me to be. I go to Walmart waiting for God to tell me to talk to somebody. I can't wait till I get to support that missionary with my finances every month because that's Christianity that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, that's moved by the Spirit, that's birthed by the Spirit and not our natural man. 
And how have you been walking this out? Because if you look at Christianity as something that you just have to press through the snooze button to get up again, chances are you have been staying out too late at night spiritually, doing things by your own physical strength, that you wake up tired spiritually when it comes to do spiritual things. That's not New Testament Christianity because it, New Testament Christianity is birthed and wrought and done by the Spirit of God. And maybe you and I have not been resting much in the Spirit and spending time with Jesus in a healthy rhythm. Maybe our spiritual priorities are out of whack. And maybe today, it's just taking a personal inventory to say, God, if Christianity seems like work to me, I haven't been doing it by the Spirit. If using my gifts and talking to someone about Jesus seems daunting or seems like effort to me, I haven't been doing it by the Spirit. I haven't put on Jesus. I haven't put on the things that God is gonna empower me and, and make me have a want to do that. I'm gonna be honest with you this morning. When's the last time you were eager to get up and do things for God? Because what time is it? There comes a moment in your life and my life where we have to set an alarm and recognize the hour the spiritual hour that we have, and you have to arouse yourself and say, guys, it is past time to get ready. It is past time to be ready to do what God has called us to do, that Jesus is coming and we are to be headed somewhere and that time is now and that time is soon that we might just not make it through this week before Jesus comes. I don't know. But my job is to say, Lord, I wanna wake up out of my slumber I want to put on Jesus. I want to be headed with you somewhere. And God, it is an exciting thing to get up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? Holy Spirit, who might I talk to today? Holy Spirit, how are you going to use me today? That we retrain our brains and our minds and say, God, I've been doing this thing so much through the natural man. And God, it's time to put off those old things and put on Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Every heart, every mind. What time is it to you? Maybe here today you have been asleep. You've been dead asleep. And your life has been filled with all the things of the world, all the sensuality of the world, the carnal desires of the world. And for you, you're sensing someone is trying to wake you up. And your choice is to respond to that. And to come out of that fake reality that you're living in where you feel like you have all the time in the world to do whatever you want to do and there's no consequences for your behavior and there's no consequences for feeling that way and thinking that way. You see, the hour is past time that Jesus is about to show up and will he catch you asleep? And maybe that's you today and you need to respond in the first way is to say, Lord, I wake up today, God, I'm, I'm coming to a profession of faith. I believe in Jesus Christ, and I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins, and I want to be right with you, and you want to begin this journey with Christ. And maybe that's you today, and in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come find a place here at the front, and our elders and our team is going to pray with you and just uh, lead you in the next steps for your life. But you say, God, I, I know if, I, if Jesus came today, I would not be ready for him to come. Or number two is maybe you're here today, church, and you realize you've been doing Christianity in your PJs. You've been a little slothful. 
Christianity has been a little bit like daunting and work. And you, you just wanted some more time to snooze. But you have this conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, son or daughter, it's time to go. I'm about to show up. Man, I've got things for you to do before I come and get you. It's time to put on the work clothes. It's time to put on what I've made you to do, who I've made you to be. I've got gifts. I've empowered you. I've given you pieces of my kingdom, something I've put in your heart for your whole life. I've been waiting for you to do this thing before I come. Each one of you have something God has called you to do before he comes. And it's going to be your responsibility to do that so he can say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You may never get up and preach and get in the microphone, but there's something, something God has called you to do. And God wants you to do it with his joy and his zeal and his character. And if you're tired today, man, listen to me. If you're tired today, there is a strength that is supernatural. There is a joy that is supernatural. There's something you can tap into today that's going to exceed your expectations, that's going to exceed your desires, that's going to exceed your ability because Jesus is going to do this thing with you. He's going to do this thing through you. And maybe today you just need to cry out to Jesus, God, I am weak, but you are strong. Lord, I am lacking, but you are full. And God, I just ask him for more of you today. God, give me that fullness of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get ready to go, church. It's time to get ready to go.